Congratulations! Congratulations. You're listening to Congratulations Pine Tree, the Bay's number one arts and culture podcast with me, Kate Rhodes. And Layla Weaver. Yay! We have a guest host this week. Maysoon is celebrating her mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Maysoon's mom. In New York City, of all places, on the beautiful island of Manhattan. Um, I don't know how beautiful it is, but... She doesn't live there, but it's just a fun place to have a birthday, I guess. Maybe. I bet it's hot as hell. It's been thunderstorming. Yeah, I don't like it, and I won't do it. No. Okay, here's the deal. I've been reading some Pauline Kael criticism. Pauline Kael had a relationship with this video artist. Did you know this? No. Named James Broughton, who lived in the Bay. You know him? I know James Broughton, yeah. He lived in the Bay in San Francisco and and was like a drag queen and and a queer person and stuff. That's cool. That is cool. Wait, so how long was their relationship? Not very long, I don't think. Okay. But they did have a baby together in 1948. Weird. Yep. Okay. What do you say to that? Um, Don't fuck a video artist. (laughs) Oh, great. Sage (laughs) advice there. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much is true. But I was reading this um, review she did of A View from the Bridge. Do you know this movie? Do I know A View from the Bridge? (laughs) Yeah, I I I never heard of this in my damn life. Arthur Miller is the the writer. It was was an adaptation. Oh, Arthur Miller. Yeah. Okay, so it's based on a play then, and it's basically about this guy who falls in love with his niece, his wife's niece, really. So not even his blood relation. <sighs> it's that line that no one wants to walk. You know, it's it's incest, but it's not. I think American I filmmakers and such are afraid. of The French will do it all day and night, have incest movies. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you know? And then there's... Oh, God. We can't talk about that. Because I was about to say, I think I came down too hard in our last episode, um, being really um, emphatic that I'm not some kind of perverted creep. But I just wanted everyone to know that congratulations, Pine Tree stands tall with the perverts. We are all for perversion as long as it's between consenting adults. Yes. That's all I wanted to say. I didn't want to alienate our pervert audience because I love perverts and also if you are a particular kind of pervert that yeah falls below that line get some help we we yeah. i, I totally out? think that you Maybe should be to able us. to find a therapist to work through whatever it is you're going through i really love that and i think that is actually the spirit of the future abolition yeah, 100%. Now, are we going to come to regret that statement? No, because we're no. right. And if you disagree, you're the fucked up one. I say it with my chest. And if you disagree, you can talk to me about it in public. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> Might have pegged out there. Anyhow, the guy wants to fuck his niece. And then he accuses this other guy who wants to fuck the niece, too, of being a homosexual to kind of bring him down in the social pecking order or whatever. They always blame the homosexuals for whatever perversion is happening out in these narratives. Yes. And then he kisses the guy. To, like, prove that he's gay or something. So yeah. there's a gay kiss on screen. Pauline Kale was kind of excited about that in the review. But then she brings in the children's hour. Mm-hmm. Okay. With our dear Audrey Hepburn. Uh-huh. And she says, she said, aren't we supposed to feel sorry for these girls because they're so hardworking? She's talking about the lesbians, um... Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine and Shirley MacLaine <laughs> and she says aren't we supposed to feel sorry for these girls because they're so hardworking and because after all they don't do anything the lesbianism is all in the mind and then in parentheses she says I always thought this was why lesbians needed sympathy that there isn't much they can do oh boy what does that mean? That's so loaded. I know. We. I feel like we need to analyze every line of that. The whole entire ex- review? Yeah. No, okay. not the entire okay. review. Just that one excerpt. Okay, First ready? of all, she calls them girls. Right. I mean, you know, what year was this? Long, long ago. <laughs> I'm going to say so at Pauline, least the 60s. Pauline wasn't for the girls. She wasn't for the boys either, with an I. Uh-huh. The B-O-I's. The B.O.I.s. So yeah. um, she's saying that lesbians don't aren't able to do or have access to what exactly? 
Well, yeah, she's saying there's not much they can do in society. Or is she saying because she just said, after all, they didn't, they don't do anything because they never, it's really Shirley MacLaine in the movie who's the lesbian. Right. And and she's like in love with Audrey Hepburn, right? Mm-hmm. We've and, all been there. God. And so sure enough, <laughs> and so sure enough, you know, but they never consummate anything. And at least on screen in a way that's acknowledged. Right. So and so she's saying that they don't do anything. And then she says, I always thought this was why lesbians needed sympathy, that there isn't much they can do. Oh, those agonizing lesbians. They just live in a constant state of agony because they don't have access to real heteronormative (laughs) society or (laughs) they don't have access to any real kind of pleasure. Maybe. Is that what she's saying? I don't know, but oh, you know, it's kind of true. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> I love that. And then I have to tell you, this I don't is know. from. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's it's pretty weird. I have to say, this is from a book called "I Lost It at the Movies" by Pauline Kale. It's a collection of of reviews and writings. I was told about it by my friend Gabe Garza, mm-hmm. and uh, there are are only twelve mentions of lesbians in here. And how <laughs> big is the book? How many pages? What about it's the word lot. gay? It's over almost 300 pages. So 300 pages, lesbians only mentioned 12 times. Yeah, you better be mentioning lesbians on every page if you're writing a 300-page book. Especially about film. Exactly. But yeah. I bet I bet maybe she mentions gay more. I bet she mentions communists more, too. In the 60s, definitely. Yeah. That was a hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I feel we've put that a topic to well, bed. Well, do you do you want to <laughs> explain why you are so interested in Pauline all of a sudden? Just because I was talking about it with my friend Gaben, and you know she lived here in the Bay Area. I feel like people talk about her all the time. I took a criticism workshop. Um, Film criticism workshop. It was just any kind of criticism with the art writer from L.A. named Christina Catherine Martinez. Oh, yeah. You know her? Not personally. She's great. Yeah. And so I took this writing workshop and I was like, am I a critic now? Well, but then I was like, well, I kind of have been a critic because of the podcast. You are a critic. And so then I was like, maybe I need to really take it seriously as a craft. How do you think it's worked out for you? Horrible. Eh, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> I mean, well, this actually folds nicely into what we another topic we were wanting to discuss, which was about the new waves of artists. Yeah, well, it it actually so I have a perfect segue for this. I went to the Headlands Fellow or the Headlands Grad Fellow exhibition opening at the Lab last night, mm-hmm. and uh, it was curated by Mark Mayer, a gay man. Yeah, I love Mark Mayer. And he was, I, I went up to him and he was standing with this woman who's, dear God, whose name I'm not going to remember because sleep. Um, <laughs> he introduced me to her as a critic. Oh, wow. And I've never been introduced to anyone that way. And Do you identify that way? Hell no. I mean, I am critical of everything, but I'm not a critic. A critic, huh? Yeah, he said, artist, curator, critic. Okay, huh? I said, I'm not, I'm not a critic, but anyway. So this, this does, this ties into the the ways that we see waves of generations happening in the Bay Area. Yes, and now we are moving from being new into being old. <laughs> <laughs> are we though? Well, when do you stop being new? Well, I've heard some, you know, where they break down like emerging versus mid-career versus established. On the books, me and you are still emerging. Okay, but like, what does that mean? It means... You're definitely not emerging. I definitely still am. You have your wings out. They're totally dry. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) To... Someone in New York, I'm definitely fucking emerging. Well, what do they want? They want you to be in Documenta five times and then you're settled? Yeah. Okay, well, that's a bit much. <laughs> they want you to have had a museum show. Okay. Does it count well, if I... you've been in a museum. You've Who? been in multiple museums. No. Yeah, you have. What multiple museums? You've been in the Mills Museum. So have you. 
<laughs> We've both been in the Mills Museum. Does the ICA count? They're new. Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, look how legit and official they look. Okay, well, I heard uh, somewhere that 10 years in your mid-career. I don't think so. Really? Well, it hasn't. It still hasn't been 10 years for me. Oh, okay. It's getting there. What do you got? Another one, two years? When did I graduate? I got three years. Okay. Three years until 10 years? Yeah. No way. Yeah, it's only been seven. Okay, but start it at the beginning of grad school. At the beginning? Well, start it from the first time you had an exhibition that wasn't related to um, being a student. That would be when I graduated. Really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm older than the dust. (laughs) (laughs) How far into this topic do you want us to get? I'm reporting live from my urn. It's hard to stay in touch with the new waves coming out. I mean, it's one thing to go see all the MFA shows, but then you've got, like you were mentioning, there's new curators, there's the new writers, there's all the turnover. Yeah. And there, you know, I think the Bay Area has this issue with preservation, like preserving its own history. And... It doesn't have a sense of memory, so it's easy for these waves to feel like they're washing over the previous generation. Yeah. Especially if you don't stay active. And, I, you know, I remember being new and encountering a lot of what I would consider older artists, artists that have been making for a while, and them feeling kind of jaded in a way. You know, at least what they would express to me. No names, no names. <laughs> but... <laughs> Now being on the other side of, you know, whatever, however many years yeah. it takes to become the next generation or the older generation, I I feel part of that because if you are not, if you do not stay active, you can easily get left out of the culture yep. in the Bay Area. Because all of a sudden it's like all the like 28 year olds are running everything. Yeah. And a dear mentor friend of mine said to me that the Bay Area is a place for emerging artists, but no mid-career artists can really survive here. Like That is a common yeah. sentiment for sure. So emerging and established, that's the Bay Area. Yep. Anyway, so I went to the show last night and I was, I don't know, I was hit with a wave of, of shock because it's been, I don't know, this I think this is the first time where I stepped into a space where I didn't know more than 50% of the people in the room. Mm-hmm. And this was a grad show. Yeah. Yeah. Were they young? What did, they were probably the same age as me. Were they wearing like augmented reality goggles? No. Okay. They weren't. But they... the art was really good. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And I think, I do encourage people you know, if you are an older generation artist in the Bay Area to to try and stay active because the work is fucking good. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 For the most part. (laughs) (laughs) I also. okay, but don't we also have to give it the other way too, where the young people find the old people, too? You know, you. I sometimes feel like you've got MFA shows and these kinds of shows where it's like a bunch of let's go grab some MFAs to put in this show. Starts to feel like every year the schools just put out a menu of artists to select from and then the curators and everybody just grabs from there. Yeah, but how do the the younger artists and young being, you know, fresh out of grad school, how do they find us? Yeah, how? If we're not present. Sure enough. I don't know. Take a little look at you, Lou. I do think that they should do some homework. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Where do they find these things? Art Practical is yeah. now defunct. Yep. There's no running list of people in the Bay Area do to know. Do we need to make one? I mean, I guess you could go through, like, venue archives. I mean, I knew about Cliff Hangst. Yeah. Coming out of grad school. Yeah. You just, I guess you have to, as a younger artist, you have to do the work of going to to shows, going to openings, and introducing yourself to people who don't know you. Yeah. Or you can do what I did and just glom on to someone who's been here much longer. Like who was that? Like Maysoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that was for me. Yeah, there you go. Didn't let me glom on, actually. <laughs> I had to do the work first. You were just hanging by, like, your fingertips on the side. <laughs> I was just standing, waving. You got to delete that. No mentions. Okay. <laughs> what if I bleep it? But for younger generations and older generations, they both have to do the same work, I suppose. Yeah. Isn't that a drag? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're tired. 
Yeah, I think actually how we could solve this. Well, no, because I don't want to assume that all the emerging artists are coming out of an MFA program because that feels like elitist or something. I don't know. Maybe we just once a year we host a little something that is mandatory. You have to be there. (laughs) That's just a brief digest. We could get Jeff Gunderson to do it from the SFAI library. We'll just have to go to every art show and do outreach. And then once a year, we'll have Jeff Gunderson host a a basic like um, bullet train through Bay Area art history from, I don't know, from 10,000 years ago to (laughs) to today. Yeah. I mean, I still haven't been to all of the new galleries. No, me neither. The the places that have opened in the last year. Well, we should go to those. Yeah. I mean, last night I went to the lab for the Headlands thing. And then there were two other openings at et al. And... House of Seiko. Yeah, Ed Allen Chinatown has a good show. Everybody go see it. It's called Old Son, New Son with Michael Bala, Wai Malik Jalal, Sahar Khori. Shout out. Brandon Indife, Umiko Niwa, Gozi Ugini, Peter Siminski, Jeff Williams. Oh, Peter. Curated by Andrew Sung Take Ingersoll. That is a four-name name, and I salute it. And that show is going to be up from July 8th to August 12th, so you got plenty of time. And, of course, it's at 620 Kearney Street at all, their Chinatown branch. Yeah, and then speaking of, you know, new names, there there was the House of Seiko opening, which I unfortunately couldn't make it to. You know, I, I tire out easily these days. I just got top surgery, so if I'm out and about and then I just leave suddenly, it's because my energy is gone. People should be freaking kissing your boots that you're out at all. No, that's <laughs> yeah. not how that works. <laughs> but after surgery, Jesus Christ, I'd be taking a year off. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) I'd be milking that for all it's worth. Well, I'm trying to. (laughs) Okay, so House of Seiko. (laughs) Uh, They had an opening last night called Devotional Cachet. Oh, wow. I know. I love that title. And the I don't know the curator, new name, Alexander Goodwin. Jesus Christ. That's great. Yeah. We need new new people to come in. Fresh takes. Always. And there are a list of artists. Most of them I don't know, but Gwendolina... Saruti, Rachel Crowther. I'm sorry, I'm going to botch these names. Uh, That's the name of the game on Congratulations, Patrick. Steve Kahn, Marewa Miller, who I know, and Mel Paget. Oh, cool. Or Paget. Oh. Or Paget. Okay, really good. You want to do a couple more options? No. Okay. Uh, just stop at three. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that the the show, as far as I've seen on Instagram, I will go by and, and check it out. But it looks really beautiful. Have you been to that gallery yet? No, I haven't. They I haven't had their first show was this guy rubbing rocks together. And <laughs> did you go? <laughs> yeah. How was it? I actually, the longer I sat with it and then I read about it, I actually did appreciate that show. The guy also like did this. He made a bell for the door. He like forged it out of like sand and all kinds of shit minerals from the bay. Like he fucking did a metallurgy. Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) And I was into that. But, you know, endurance performance hasn't always been my number one favorite. Yeah, there was an endurance performance last night at the lab as well. Sure. Involving a treadmill. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Am I just not sophisticated? Uh, I think there there are, um, I don't fucking know, degrees of sophistication. Do you ever feel like you're, what, is there anything that makes you feel like you're not sophisticated? (laughs) I went to a John Cage um, like symphonic performance once and I felt like I was on the inside of a pinball machine <laughs> and I was like that's that seems kind of cool yeah but I was like I'm just not sophisticated enough for this you know I don't know about sophistic I don't know about the word sophistication in this context <laughs> sure <enough. laughs> you you you've I think you you know you said to me that you think I'm sophisticated <laughs> and I don't know that I agree with you that watch like French films the French aren't fucking sophisticated. <laughs> They're the opposite of sophisticated. That's true. They do get the actual legit incest going. Yeah, yeah that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. So whenever someone says, you know, that seems so sophisticated, I'm just like, you know, find the weirdness in something. Yeah. If you're naturally curious about it and you enjoy it, then that's just what it is. But if you're drawn to something just because you think it's sophisticated or you feel like it aligns with your, I don't know, pretentious goals. Yes. 
then that's bullshit and you're not going to get anything from it. So it's actually more sophisticated to be unsophisticated. I think so. I was having a conversation with my collective about this, the black aesthetic, uh, because they said that I do high art. Okay. High versus low art. And I'm always trying to push against that Uh because I don't think that what I do is high art. I guess high art means you are showing in galleries and museums. Yeah. But I, I think that's bullshit. Okay, go on. (laughs) (laughs) what do you think i think low art is like um well obviously we've like exploded this false dichotomy a million times over over the last hundred years or whatever but well okay what do we what were they talking about specifically of your work well because i feel like that there's it's it's slick that there's a a certain kind of uh, presentation to it that feels removed from you know folks on the street Okay. It feels removed from the from the everyday. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, I can see that the, the museums in general, many institutions are removed from the, from the everyday. But I also think that anyone who works in, not anyone, but most people who work in moving image and film has more of, um, I can't find my words right now. I think they're able to reach people because they're not, it's not just a stagnant object on the wall. Yeah. I think I don't know. know. Yeah, I do feel like the just the average person. Yeah. The average what is the average person? Just throw a dart and (laughs) don't hit a person with a dart. Don't hit a person with a dart. Take a printed photo of all the people on earth, throw a dart and the and let's just assume you could hit an average person. Yeah. I think that I don't know. I may be talking out of my ass a little bit here, but I think it's more likely that that person would have, like, some amount of, like, cinema literacy. You know what I mean? I don't think you need to have cinema literacy to enjoy a moving image. Okay. I'm just, like, how confused are they going to be approaching, like, a fucking contemporary painting or contemporary sculpture versus a contemporary video art piece? What's been your experience of that? um, I think the same. I think paintings can be quite cinematic, though. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, but I'm thinking like, okay, then throw a dart at all the contemporary paintings. <laughs> there are there are video there are video works that <laughs> Yeah. That aren't, you know, under easily understandable. Actually, I think all contemporary art is like pretty opaque to the normal person. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, something I've been thinking about is video sculpture. Okay, weigh in on that. (laughs) I'm like, is that where we're going? Why do you think we haven't already been there? I mean, we have, but is it all going to be that? Your your grad show had video sculptures in it. Hell yeah, it did. Video artists. Okay, this is the conversation I'm having with myself. Is like, okay, video, it's kind of like not so... Well, how do we make a video into an object? Number one, so we can sell it. And number two, so people feel compelled to have to come see video work because it's not something you can just watch on your laptop at home. Mm. What do you say to that? I am against... Everything you just said. I'm against commodifying (laughs) video work. Okay, good. Yeah. That's a a strong stance. In the way of like selling an object. Um, I mean, if anyone wants to buy my work, holler at me. (laughs) But (laughs) no, I'm joking. (laughs) Um, I think that that goes against the purpose of making video work. Because it's easily like distributed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I do, th- I think that it should be, you should make things that are, um, um, consumable in many formats. Okay. Why not? All right. So if you do a video sculpture, make a version of it that exists online. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Okay, great. And then what should I make it out of? I don't know. I feel like the, everything. Uh, oh, bubble wrap. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Try find a way to embed the video in the bubble wrap. Okay. Make each each individual bubble its own video. I did. Wow, that's not bad. <laughs> I feel like you could make a pretty cool animation out of that. Okay, really good. I did a piece when I was in grad school where I got a urinal from Urban War and I wrapped it like a lot, a lot in um, Saran wrap. Uh... I don't remember why I did that. Wait, so. <laughs> 
Did you see video sculpture recently that made you want to bring this up? No, I was just thinking about it. Video sculpture. I'm always thinking about that, how to make the video more physical. Well, what distinguishes video sculpture from like a video installation? This is, I mean, I teach video installation at Stanford and I think this is a valid question. Well, in an installation, are you kind of like projecting onto things or like there's something going on with the video where it's beyond just a screen. Making 3D physical objects that are in conversation or whatever somehow married to the video. Well, I think when a video installation is operating at its best, it considers the space around it, which in and of itself is a kind of 3D object. Yeah. yeah. So. But is it like it's really a large sculpture sewn in there? If it's just something that's projected onto a wall. And then you put like some crystals. No, not even just not even the crystals. You just walk into a room and there's boom, a video on a wall and there are some benches. That's, That's not, not sculpture. No. Nor is that or video installation. Come on, guys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you project onto objects, right. it becomes a video work that is sculptural. Yes. But I don't know if it's a video sculpture. Right. So much as it is sculptural video. Okay. Love that. Okay. Wow. Really getting into the fine the details there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just... Explore all of it. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make, I like making objects. And then I'm like, let's put a video in this object. Do it. Okay, let's do that. When was the last time you did that? Oh, gosh. I remember you had something at the DeRosa, which was an extension of. Yeah. Well, your I had those rocking horse sculptures that I made that you'd put your face in. I got to say, COVID-wise, that was a huge misstep. (laughs) But (laughs) that was pre-COVID. I I didn't foresee that a, you know, pandemic was about to befall us. But you really can't be mashing your face up against something that somebody else just did their face on. I know. No. And, you know, I'm, well, you know, there's all these AI or AI, what is it called? VR? VR. Yeah. See, my brain then is you, just That's like, real okay. face on face. I know. The, there are these VR installations that are in these spaces and they are passing around goggles and they expect you to put it on that. your face. That's how we get some new pox. I know. Yeah. Can't be having that. Or pink eye. Even oh, worse. Oh, don't want that. I don't want my uh, hypochondriac nature to be exposed. No. But... Tactile art really took a hit in recent years. But, you know, I tell... My students who are who are you know encouraging me to come see their work, and I go see their work, and it's a bunch of video, video pieces with headphones attached, and I have to apologize to them because I don't wear headphones in spaces. I just don't. They're disgusting. And that's I, how you get brain-eating bacteria. I know. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And, or lice. Yep. Anyway, find 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 ways for people, multiple ways for people to engage with their, your work outside of headphones. And, okay, and let's headsets. really workshop this right now. Let's workshop okay, it. What about this? You start every. Okay, the, we should make it customary now that people travel to art shows with their own headphones, and you do B Y O H P. Bring your own headphones. It's too difficult because then there's Bluetooth, and then there's. You know, no, you've got to have a corded headphone because then they just when, you know, they could have headphones there for people who are comfortable with that and then have an open socket to plug your own headphone into. I mean, I guess you could have multiple. You could have the regular eighth inch ones like we do for our normal Walkman. And then you could have the big ones for the weirdos who like listen to their hi-fi. <laughs> We can do radio transmissions. No. Okay. Or it should be like when you go to a drive drive-in movie. Oh, and you have that little. You have speaker. everyone has a radio station that they have to tune to. Oh, okay. So instead of bringing headphones, which most people have, people have to bring a portable radio. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. You know, it's just hard. It's hard out there in the world of tactile art. Okay, okay. Well, but no, what are we really going to do? Do we just have to be playing the audio out everywhere? I think, the they, I think we should play the audio out. Should we have that dome that does the kind of like directional audio? You mean the parabolic speakers? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think parabolic speakers are a really good way to, to um, have multiple video works in one show so that they're not interfering with each other. Okay. 
How can I make one of those? Uh, it's a specific kind of uh, speaker engineering. Okay. So maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you could. I don't know what your skill set is. Low. (laughs) (laughs) I think you could do it, Kate. Okay, really good. Okay, now I think we should talk about, I don't know, I've been in a real existential crisis lately, and I'm wondering what guidance you can provide, if any. I also saw my little picture of Jesus up there. What kind of existential crisis? Just like meaning, feeling a lack of purpose. Mm. Uh-huh. In all parts of life or? Yes. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I think a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. post Do you feel purposeful or like, um, do you feel a sense of meaning that sustains you in your spirit? I think it changes day to day. Do you believe in a spirit world? Absolutely. Okay, really good. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you know, it changes daily for me. Sometimes I feel like I have a clear purpose. And either that's through the interactions I have with my community or the work that I'm doing at the time. But mostly the thing that makes me feel most in my purpose is when I'm out in the world and I, as someone who constantly puts their foot in their mouth... <laughs> I feel most in my purpose when I say the most honest thing that I feel in my body at the moment. Whoa, okay, that's really good. Yeah. How do you, do you, what, did it take um, a kind of practice to be able to tap into that voice? No, I think it took practice to be okay with being honest and um, not worrying too much about how people receive it. Okay. But also balancing that with kindness or caring about people it's hard it is it's hard to say something that's really hard for someone to hear and then for them to think that you care about them yeah you know how do you do that should we role play it yeah let's role play okay who should i be you pick well are you saying (laughs) have i ever said anything to you like that well if you did it didn't come off as okay a mean thing that's good yeah I mean, I, I didn't say mean. I didn't say mean. I said no. honest. Yeah, but I think people can take it. Like, you know, for instance. There, I've you... had those many of those interactions in here with people. Ugh. Pretend right. you are an art critic. Right, okay. You're an art critic out in the world, okay. and you invite me to do something. Oh, okay. Hey. Oh, hey, Layla. I was just thinking about you. Oh, it, thank you for thinking about me. Um, <laughs> What were you thinking about in particular? I really want to get you on a panel for the... 2024 total rockin' contemporary art expo. Um, I'm not sure how I might contribute to something like that, but if you have a good idea, let me know. And also, just so you know, I'm not doing anything that is uh, about blackness, just a blanketed oh my blackness. Word. <laughs> I gotta be honest. And also, you don't, you have no idea the kind of emails or invitations I receive that are like, can you talk about black women? Well, I can't believe you would think I would do such a thing. Yeah, I mean, any frank talk to a white person about race is usually met with, well, maybe not usually, but if the person can't handle it, they're going to meet it with like, I'm under attack. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I know. I don't know. I just wish that there were that. I don't know. I, I, I encourage people, my students or whoever, to say the thing, even if you are afraid that it might have not offend you don't want to intentionally offend someone but if you if you feel something that's honest in you just say it outright and it's going to be awkward yeah okay really good okay can i give another hypothetical absolutely okay what if you're talking to somebody and you know for a fact that maybe they have an attachment style Uh (laughs) that really cannot handle talking about feelings like like talking frankly like this is non-confrontational a non-confrontational person well yeah or like they can go confrontational but not about feelings like not with so like say you're gonna say to someone hey you hurt my feelings and the person is like red alert red alert like they're about to die i try to be really sensitive to people when i am approaching them with something that might be difficult yeah so if i were to say to you hey you really hurt my feelings and i see you responding red alert red alert and i'm not a psychologist or any kind of professional neither am i and we actually are going to go ahead and say, if you need medical expertise, go ahead and find it elsewhere. Yes. Okay, and go ahead. So if I see and I notice you have those alarms going off 
You yeah. have to be really, you have to pay a lot of attention to someone's body language. Oh my God. To okay. recognize that. Right. So if I see that in you, I'm, I would say, how did that land for you? Right. Yeah. If you feel like you can't respond, what are you thinking right now? Uh-huh. Or how are you feeling? Right. In this, or they can't say how they're feeling. So what's happening in your body? Uh-huh. And what if that even is too much for them? They start running away physically. Then let them run. Okay. Who is this person? <laughs> okay, we'll attack that off mic as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they start running physically. I mean, I don't... Most adults wouldn't run. Most, I feel like the most avoidant person might say, oh, huh, well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And just try to shut shut the combo down as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And if you see someone, if you really want to talk it through with them, then you have to say, can we talk about what happened? Or is this too much for you right yeah. now? Yeah. And is there a better time or do you need time to prepare and process this and come back and talk about it? Yeah. That's really good. Do you feel like you have like the people in your circle are um, equipped for those kinds of conversations? 100%. Yeah. They're not in my circle if they can't be. Yeah. I'm a confrontation forward person. Yeah. And confrontation isn't a bad thing. I think. No. Um, in order to have like solid, stable community, you should be able to talk about things that don't always feel comfortable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think that's how yeah. me and Maysoon became friends. Because you're able to just address things Yeah, I said something. I said, hey, Maysoon, there is this hard thing that I need to tell you. And I think she was like solid. Yeah, she's good like that. Yeah. Especially when it's like having it be really clear like that, I think is also helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I almost don't want to call it confrontation. It's like um, maybe like talking about difficult feelings. A queer black, queer black therapist. Prentice Hemphill does this podcast that I really want folks to listen to called Finding Our Way. Finding Our Way. Okay, I'm going to put a link in the underworld. And they have this um, institute called the Embodiment Institute. I guess they're technically an embodiment practitioner and writer, but they have a podcast about being confrontational and how confrontation is really a community device yes a way for people to address issues head-on instead of letting things build up and you see this in the art world where people have so many feelings buried under their skin and they're they're afraid to tell people things that bother them you know it could have been 10 years ago someone said a weird thing about a painting you made and you've never forgotten that and, and you've held on to them. Builds, it just buries and builds. Like an abscess. And instead of doing that, you got to say, hey, you said something a, a while ago and I've been holding on to it and I want to let it go. But and maybe it's 10 years later, but I, it made me feel weird. And I want to let you know that. Yeah. You have to care about the person, though, to, to go there, don't you think? No. You'll just do that with anybody <laughs> Not with anybody, but if it's someone who I see on a regular basis and right. I know I'm going to encounter, I don't want to have to encounter you and have to navigate this weird, amorphous, like emotional blob that sits between us. Yes. All the fucking time. Yes. I have a TikTok therapist <laughs> who talks a lot about how some of these things that we think about having to do well like kind of a misuse of the term boundary mm. where people will be really quick to just cut people out of their lives kind of and how it goes it's like how it goes against community building like that having those difficult conversations is just part of being like actually in in society or like yeah. in you know actually have real relationships i think there are some certain people you do have to cut off though if they're violent or oh for sure yeah Yeah. there's some stuff that you can't let slide or or that you can't like get through just with conversation or or sometimes you need a mediator yeah or therapist yeah sometimes people have like issues that they can't access well i love that (laughs) um okay well let's go ahead and um round it out with do you have any food or cooking recommendations what do you mean like is there a food place in the bay that you want to really say everyone should go to or is there any kind of um you know special food thing you know i don't think i don't know if everyone's gonna vibe with this because i'm vegan yeah give that up 
We should all be vegan. <laughs> I don't want to prescribe anyone anything. Okay. But I'm vegan. And so if you if you are curious about good vegan food that isn't whatever you might imagine bad vegan food is. Satan. Exactly. <laughs> Satan tempeh tofu. I like There's tempeh, really good though. vegan food and in the I world. Like tofu. If you are curious and you feel comfortable enough to ask me to hang out, <laughs> I would love to go out and eat some vegan food with you. Uh, but Wild Seed in the city is really good. Oh, okay. I haven't been there. It's great. Every time someone comes in town, my parents, or if I go on a date, you might see me there on a date. Wow. You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like to go there. That's the it's the place that one place in the in the Bay Area that has good vegan brunch. Oh, wicked. Because it's not egg based and they have these great like banana fried banana pancake Jesus things. Jesus Christ. And they do have an omelet. I think it's just egg omelet. There's really good vegan food in the world. So there's also Lion Dance Cafe, which oh, is right, right up the street. Oh, they good as hell. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta get a I reservation. think that's where it is. Yeah. But you can get out there in the parklet. And if we're friends and I haven't invited you over to my house to cook, I would love to cook for you. Yay. Yeah. Only if we're friends, though. <laughs> that means you have to have my phone number and I respond Okay, really good. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's not that high of a bar, but no. it's not that low of a bar. No, it's pretty high. I don't respond to most people. Straight up. On my phone. I would like to give a shout out to Nutritional Yeast. It actually won my powder of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And I want to congratulate all the good people at Big Nooch. Big Nooch. <laughs> For uh, shout out to Cashews, too. Oh, absolutely. The cheese of nuts. <laughs> so are almonds. Yeah. Almonds are also the cheese of nuts. Do you like marzipan? No. Wow. Do you feel like it tastes kind of medicinal? I always think about Prue. Prue from uh, motherfucking British Bake Off? Yeah. Okay. She loves marzipan. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I associated with her eating marzipan and it just puts me off a little bit, even though I love Prue. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Sue and Mel purist. <laughs> Are you? After they left, I was like, not no. so into I still watch some of it. I like Noel. I don't like the other guy. Who's the other guy? The bald the, man? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like him He's at all. He's trying too hard. Way too hard. Yeah. He's not funny. No. No, but Noel is great. He's yeah. the frog guy. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I can love see you Paul collaborating with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's very tall. Does that is, is that pro collaboration or no? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's just something <laughs> I think about, and we're not going to talk about it. But I will say the new Boots Riley show, which has an extremely tall person as a main character, I do think that Boots Riley and I are communicating on a psychic level. Why? Because like for the last two or three years, I've had like kind of an obsessive recurring thought of just about tallness. Like who's the tallest person I've ever seen? How tall would I be if I could be any height? If I had to, uh, how tall would I be if for every inch over five feet that I am, they invent a new bird? Then I'd be a million feet tall. Do you think you and Boots knew each other in a past life? I don't know. We have been in a show together. I have met him a few times. And does he remember you? And I always do feel very connected to him. <laughs> but, um, I can I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not that far fetched. But yeah, I, w- I haven't watched I'm a Virgo yet. Okay, I really want and we to. We won't discuss it. You're a Virgo. I am. Yeah. Do you think Boots is a Virgo? Oh, right. We are we're like opposite charts. Yeah. We you, you have my backwards birthday. Yes. Yeah. Except not totally, because I guess what is your real backwards birthday? would be like Aquarius because mine is 831 so would my backwards birthday actually be 318 March 18th yeah okay get on the numbers people wait 318 March 18th and mine would be 138 (laughs) yeah see you can't do that no I can't do that let's get the numerology people on board give us a call 419-351-6606 you can tweet us at pine tree podcast or send us a email congratulations pine tree at gmail.com thank you so much to our sustaining donors jim prosser and anonymous if you want to make a donation go to congratulations and hit that donate button please donate we got to keep this podcast going oh my god i think it's time we could reapply for an alternative exposure grant oh that'd be good
Okay, well, is there anything else you would like listeners to know? Did we talk about anything? Not really. (laughs) Should we? Oh, do you want to talk about the Benta thing? Okay, well, they wrote about this actually in the San Francisco Chronicle and in the San Francisco Standard. And the San Francisco Standard article, I'm not going to link these in the underworld because I'm kind of like... I don't totally understand the intentions of the writers and like the, you know what I mean? But anyhow, you probably heard about this. Binta Iofemi, who was in this last Sika show, um, and has been like a Bay Area artist for years and years and years. Like, I think we were in like a performance thing together back in like 2014 or 2015. Anyhow, um, Binta, her, her recent practice has been like taking on real estate all around the Bay Area, including this one spot in Bayshore or the Bayview. Bayview. That was like a black owned barbecue restaurant. Okay. That was like beloved in the neighborhood, right? It was like a local staple. Yeah. And so she was supposed to take on this lease for this place and then turn it into something. I forget what she was going to make that place. Was that supposed to be the beer garden? No, I think that was, it was just to help sustain. Oh, like to just keep it a barbecue joint? And then there was also a parking lot that that was going to be the beer garden. Anyhow, it, basically, these articles are coming out that Benta hasn't been paying the um, the rent on these places. And it's kind of like in what I would call like a vomit inducing amount of debt. Because just hearing about it makes me so anxious that I literally want to projectile vomit. And it, and it's not student loans. No. It's like a whole other thing where they take you to court and it's a whole thing. And she's going to court and she's basically said to the press, to all these different press outlets, that it's a kind of a misunderstanding that the lawyers of the landlords are kind of misrepresenting what went on. Because she's saying she did pay a lot of the rent and that um, it sounds like the pan- all the pandemic stuff is kind of like got her underwater and all this stuff. But I don't know, because some of this stuff, like the standard, the San Francisco Standard article, she basically tells them, oh, we are going to open a thing at the old barbecue place. And then they're like, well, no, that doesn't seem like that's factual. And then she was like, oh, well, we're going to open something in the parking lot. And then they were like, well, you don't have a, they went and checked with the city. They're like, you don't have a liquor license, so you can't be doing that. And then she was like, oh, we're actually having a block party. And then they, and she's like, well, you have it on this special permit from the city. And then they check that and they're like, no, you don't have that permit. And basically she was supposed to, whatever was going to happen is supposed to be next month. And it's kind of like, well, it's looking like there might be no way this can happen. Although I guess if you have a block party, you can just do that whenever. No, I think it's really difficult to produce a block party because you have to pay people. You have to pay vendors. You have to pay performers. Right. So you can't do it without paying people. And I will say one thing. I haven't worked with a lot of real estate at all. No, me neither. And I would I be don't, dead if I had to do this shit. It sounds like a really sticky situation to be in. Absolutely. For both parties. Uh, yeah. But I I don't I don't I don't think it's great. It's not a great practice to promise people things and not be able to deliver. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like the people who donated because Benta has like a 501c3 nonprofit that people can donate through. And then it also got like city funding, I think, from San Francisco that ended up not. I think maybe that was a was that a grant or a loan? It was like a million dollars. Whatever it was. I don't think it's cool to promise people and things. Then people and then in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that Bent is doing all right out there and is taking care of whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know all of the details because I don't know Benta personally, but seeing this is really heartbreaking, I think. Oh, my God. It's making. OK, but here's what I want to say. Benta, if you're listening. Benta, if you're listening. Just say this is part of it. Say this was part of the plan all along. Because a lot of these are just like white landlords that own property in black neighborhoods. They can go to hell. They can. And so go ahead and say like, yeah, fuck them. And then we can go fund me right out of, we can go fund you right out all this. Because if there's one thing that we want to do is support black businesses. Right. But we want to actually support black businesses. Yes. You know. Right. Not empty shells. Yeah. 
And I also want to say fuck landlords. And do what you can to pay other black people. Right. So if you, if what you're doing with the money or whatever is happening, you're still paying people in the community, fuck it. Yes. Yeah. So And you'll get through it with the landlords. I'm not sure what's going on. I can't say too much about it, but seems weird. Yeah. And we also can't say anything that will get us into any kind of legal position. Yeah. And that's why this podcast is actually satire and a parody and an art project. Protected, fair use, and whatever else. I don't know any of these people. (laughs) I don't even know you. How did I get here? Yeah, same. I just walked in here. Okay, really good. (laughs) Oh, man. Just thinking about all that. All the debt and all the legal nonsense is We have enough debt in the world. Oh, my God. In the Bay Area, so already so fucked up money-wise. This is why I don't do any of that kind of social practice stuff. Just having to get more than three people to agree to be in a place at a certain time, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> I think you're pretty, you're you're fine at that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you got, you got me here. You oh made a calendar God. invite. You have to do all kinds of stuff with way more than three people. Yeah. Shit. It's stressful. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't. Oh, it never stops do being stressful. Couldn't do it. Happened to have an agreement of sign a paper. I know. I had to build contracts and Jesus stuff before. Yeah. Christ. It's a lot of work. No. Anyway, so it. did we talk about enough? I think we talked about okay, so much. You you remember there are like 30 minute sections you have to delete. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to be thinking about um, having difficult conversations about feelings, but in a sensitive way, but also in a way that is affirming to me and to the other person. And that is clear. Yes. And I'm going to be doing that from the bridge. To the other bridge. To the island in between. This is What been- is the island in between? Is that some kind of sexual reference? <laughs> It's a treasure island. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, that's weird. The bridge is our legs and the island in between is the, the magical place. <laughs> we never thought about it like that and I can't wait to tell Mason. <laughs> um, My gay little mind. Yeah, really good. Um, this has been Congratulations, Congratulations Pine, Pine Tree. Tree.